Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Neighbors Church Podcast. We are so glad to be back in your headspace this week. It's been a couple weeks since we've had a conversation or done contemplate. My wife was traveling and spending time with her beautiful grandmother, who really is getting ready you know, to come to the close of her life. So we're trying to set aside as much time as possible for Alexis to be with her. And that being said, we are also trying to honor our own rhythms of living a life that uh, recognizes our limitations. And so we're going to be creating a new calendar and doing these conversations most likely every other week. We may hit some every week. They may be uh, a little more randomized, but for now the goal is going to be to try to get a conversation out every other week and then contemplate on the off weeks. And so, you know, as Paul said, we're running a race. And this is not a sprint. It's so cliche. But as you're listening to our voices today, are you exhausted, my dear friend? Um, Are you dealing with a level of fatigue that just seems to never go away? And you're overwhelmed and you're anxious. Uh, All of these things are a result oftentimes of overdoing it and not settling back in to uh, a race that is run like a marathon, which requires a huge amount of patience and persistence. Persistence, that's the topic that we want to chat about today um, with each other, the the paradox of persistence, this kind of upside-down way uh, of being persistent in the world and living our lives for the glory of Jesus uh, and for our well-being. You know, persistence comes um, really often as a reaction to pain or struggle or trial. Um, As Dan was mentioning, the whole idea of a marathon, I've only ran half marathons. And when I think back to those races, one particularly, I was up in Lake Tahoe with my mom, and we met up there to run this half marathon together. Um, That literally... I mean, I'm ocean level, and this race was going to go up to 9,000 feet elevation, super hardcore, and the night before, I started to feel sick and um, was really unsure if I'd even actually be able to run the half marathon with my mom, but that morning came, and I was like, nope, I've been working for this. I want to do this, so I took all the medicine And I got up and I went and ran this marathon, um, half marathon with my mom. And it ended up being one of the most incredible uh, experiences and memories um, in my life. And just the beauty that I was able to take in. And certainly it was so difficult. I mean, adding being sick to it, but then also just the elevation gain. And um, really mountain running is so much different than road running. Um, but the end result was just so powerful between me and my mom. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I couldn't be more proud of you for that race. My wife has over these last few years really blossomed in these acts of persistence where, um, she has made the decision. This is something that I need to press through. This is something that I can do. Um, she, she breathes in this little mantra to herself when we're on runs, I can do hard <laughs> things. Um, and so it's really a beautiful and glorious um, testimony and witness to how growth happens in our lives. Now, on a, another note, uh, maybe a little more sober, 
um, in a marathon, particularly the Boston Marathon, uh, there's a section called Heartbreak Hill. And if you've ever run long distance and tried to persist through an endurance event, anytime you have to go uphill or there's a headwind against you, it feels like Mm -hmm. you're going to be crippled by just the slightest incline or just the slightest breeze against you. And my friends, we are in a heartbreak hill season in this life journey together, personally, uh, societally, collectively. um, We are under a heavy headwind against us. I think the the social unrest, uh, the political upheavals, the the polarization, um, quarantine, uh, the news feeds, all of these things are creating for us, and we all feel it, this, this recognition or this sense of, I want to give up. I want to give up. I want to throw my hands in the air, and I want to find a way out. And we're so in a season of opposition um, that we can't even throw our hands up and escape because where are we going to go? <laughs> We're in quarantine. We can't go. We can't go anywhere. We can't flee this. So this pain um, and the heaviness and the weightiness of seasons like this are times where we as the Christian community, we as apprentices of Jesus, are commended by the Holy Spirit and empowered by him to press in to persist, to move forward. And in so doing, we will discover a depth of intimacy with our God. But not only that, we will see that he has plowed fields, so to speak, through our persistence that will bear abundant fruit, not only in our lives personally, but in our collective society. It's why God is calling us to persist in this time. You know, in Luke 18, um, Jesus shares the parable of the persistent widow, and he talks about this woman who um, just keeps coming before this judge who neither feared God nor respected man, but she keeps coming to him, making her requests known. And for a while, he refused her. Um, but afterwards he said to himself, you know what? Like I'm getting, I'm getting so tired of this woman. Yeah. She's driving me crazy. And though I neither fear God nor man yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice. I'm going to do what she wants, um, so that she'll stop bothering me. And Jesus went on to tell his disciples that, um, God will give justice to the elect to those who cry to him day and night. He won't delay long over them. And then he goes on to say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Mm. That's so powerful because persistence Mm -hmm. really does require this pure faith, this trust, that even when you're kind of hitting the wall, the judge is saying no and denying you, so to speak. It's that continued pressing in, going for it, Um, regardless of the wall that you're hitting. And it seems that we need to define what we're going for in persistence. I Mm -hmm. think my wife just alluded to one of the primary places where more than ever, we as the followers of Jesus have to persist in a pure pure faith. When it is darkest, um, when it seems the most hopeless, this is when God's people are called to surrender their own understanding and in many ways, to surrender their own timeline, 
and our own agendas and our own, hey God, this is the way that you should do things in our prayers and instead adopt a posture of pure faith, Mm -hmm. complete and whole and surrendered. And I'm going to press into God. I'm going to lean not on my own understanding, but I'm going to trust in him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in that place of pure faith, surrendered faith, that leaves the outcomes and the timelines to our Father, a persistent prayer is birthed. The illustration that Jesus gives us with this woman who comes to the unjust judge is her faith and drive in a better world, a world of justice, a world of, of um, social equanimity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the way you say that word, but social equality, um, a world where all the wrongs have been made right. Her pure faith is what draws her and drives her to go to the judge over and to go to the one with power over and over and over and not stop. Because I think when we lose our faith or we lose our hope that a better world is being brought forth through God's work and through us, and it will come to completion. When we lose that pure faith, then that is when we step aside from the race. We're no longer persisting in prayer. We're no longer persisting in looking forward to and trying to enact in the present moment a world made right. Now, all of that being said, uh, the elephant in the room that I think all of us as modern American Christians face and nobody wants to address and talk about is what do you do when you're so exhausted? You don't want to persist. Most of you guys know that I drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid to the dregs uh, a long time ago, and one of the most anathema things you can do in the CrossFit community uh, is quit in the middle of a workout. (laughs) So, um, I always give myself permission to quit. In fact, my friend Emily, who's one of the gym owners that we, we went to her and her husband's CrossFit, um, she would always tease me ruthlessly because I would tell her on certain days, like, you know what, I give my, I'm giving myself permission <laughs> to just to take it easy and to. I always gave myself an outlet to quit. <laughs> yeah, there, there is no shame in a CrossFit box like being the guy that either obviously sandbags the workout um, or just full on quits. And here, here's the interesting thing: um, that community around you actually does strengthen you to get the workouts done. I've it's started. So true. Yeah, I've started working out with a buddy again. And I mean, he and I, we, uh, we get after it in the mornings <laughs> without that. Um, I must confess, uh, I haven't been part of a gym for quite some time since we moved to San Diego and I've been crossfitting in my garage by myself. And there's been more than a few workouts where midway through, I've been like, you know what? This is dumb. I quit. <laughs> you just fall exhausted. But the minute you get some community around you. Maybe it's a podcast like this, and you just need to hear, my dear friend, we're struggling too. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep persisting. Keep praying. Keep opening your heart by pure faith. God is wanting to break open and do work in and through God's people through this act, this obedient act of persistence and pure faith, this looking forward to what will be. 
it's really living in the tension of God's kingdom being already and not yet. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and rose victoriously from the grave, this this moment, this epic moment happened um, in the world. And now we're in this space of waiting for his return, waiting with expectation for the finality of all being made right, the new heavens, the new earth, this new creation again. But in between the cross and when he comes again, there's just this place where it's like, how, how do I live that kingdom reality is now knowing, but it's not in its fullness yet. And there's a tension there and it can be difficult. That's the paradox. The paradox of persistence is that so much of it feels like inactivity. So, so, so Heartbreak Hill and the Boston Marathon, you're grinding, man. Your legs are moving. Heartbreak Hill in a season like what we are in in our marathon journey with Jesus as the Christian community right now feels like inactivity. Our hands feel tied. And so we are persisting in a pure faith and in prayer with an active waiting and watching, a daily persistent today, Father, I will wait to observe the contours of your kingdom in my soul so that I can carry the contours of your coming kingdom into whatever present situation I go into today. I'm not going to uh, strategize in my own flesh. I'm not going to make something happen. I'm going to wait and watch the very subtle contours of your kingdom. And by pure faith, through prayer, I will then press that gently and tenderly into the relationships around me with love and with grace and with a a really sacred mercy for so much of our society in this time that is needed. The dictionary defines persist. One of the definitions of persist or persistence is to last or endure tenaciously. And I love that word tenaciously because it literally means to have like this firm hold on something, to like hold it closely. And more than ever, as the church, as a community of faith, we have to have this firm hold on God's kingdom now and God's kingdom to come and live into it, to persist into it. Yeah, it's not all, you know, hippie mystic contemplative waiting and watching either. Persistence oftentimes is going to look like crying out, words spilling out over our tongues in the mornings as we just cry out persistently like that woman would with the judge. It looks like fasting and not giving up in the fast, but continuing to fast and pray for God's grace and mercy. It looks like begging. For a lot of us, if there's anxiety, it looks like those sleepless nights, two Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning, where you're persistently pressing into the scriptures. And in prayer, it's two o'clock in the morning, you're on your couch, and you are persistently looking to the promises of God, looking to the narrative of God that says he is working all of these things for good and he is working his kingdom into this world. He's working in these in these hidden ways. You know, sometimes persistence can also um, take on the form of silence. Um, so much, so many times we want to almost like manipulate God with our words and we want Mm -hmm. to, um, we want to convince him. And so it's, again, it's that, it's that 
both and. It's like we're persisting. It's like a contrast. Yeah. It's paradoxical contrast. Totally. We're persisting. We're using our words. We're interceding. We keep going before our Father. But sometimes it comes to a place where it says, I'm going to persist in silence. Mm. I'm going to persist in just being still before the Lord, knowing that he he knows what's going on in my heart. He hears the the sighs, the groans, the he sees the tears mm. and persisting in that silence. I love how Romans 8, you know, talks about when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. He literally takes our requests before the Father and intercedes on our behalf. I mean, I I don't know what else to find comfort in, in this life, to know that the Holy Spirit is literally interceding on my behalf, on my family's behalf, for our community, for this world. And some of the sweetest prayers of all can sometimes be taking a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Literally just saying like, maybe you had that sleepless night where you were persisting all night and the next day you'd literally feel like there was this like emptying that happened this just complete giving over. You know, you think of Jacob in the Old Testament wrestling with God through the night and, you know, the the man of God touches Jacob's hip and Jacob's hip is put out of socket. I bet the next day Jacob was feeling pretty sore and exhausted and sometimes it's just good to take a nap. It really is. I have found, um, and maybe you'll resonate with this, uh, maybe not. It's kind of wiring and personality. Um, I have found that in my times of persisting, persisting into the silence, and I'm, I'm not just being metaphorical here. I'm saying everything in me wants to keep reading the newsfeed, wants to make plans. You know, um, most of you that listen to this podcast, you're part of our church plant community. You have, you've got to understand, I want right now to be doing so many things for us that can't be done. And so I have to go persist into a place of stillness. And I literally will go in my garage. I put in 30 dB earplugs. And then I put on top of that gun muffs. And I set up my little chair in my garage. And I persist into the silence. Where I can't um, move mountains with my words. In fact, even my body. And as I investigate with the Holy Spirit, the anxiety and the tension. And for a person like me, um, the anger, there's just, I'm so angry about so many injustices everywhere I look. It just, it feels like a crippling anger. When I persist though, in not acting on that first, but just being still with it, persisting in stillness and silence with it, there is, I, again, I keep using this word. There's a contour of the Holy Spirit that shapes the contours of the kingdom in that. And there's, I don't want to say there's a release from it, but there is a way where I am able to detach from it so that it's not ruling and exhausting me. And uh, I think in some ways that might be one of the primary practices for you to engage in is to actually persist into a place of silence and stillness. And the pain that you're feeling is a lot like Jacob's hip. It really is. It's the Lord giving you that that place of utter and total and complete dependence on him. You know, so to close our time, let's just talk about a couple reminders while we're persisting, while we're tenaciously holding on to our father and seeking him. 
um, with just all the things that we face as humans, as we face as a culture. One thing that we need to remember is that God has a holy timeline. I think sometimes, I don't think, I know for me, the struggle with persistence and the struggle with continuing on is because I get overwhelmed with the timeline. I mean, what what do we do when God just doesn't answer our prayers right away? What do we do where it feels like he's utterly silent? That is so overwhelming. Yeah, this, this is something that is so important for us in our process of persistence because God is always working the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter where you sit in the book of Genesis and how you interpret Genesis, we know geologically that God moves the tectonic plates. The, uh, that's the big pieces of land mass that we sit on, North America, South America, all these different land masses sit on tectonic plates. These massive shaping plates of earth, right, that society dwells on, they're moving. And they move about one inch per year. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if you're like me, I'm very comfortable with saying God took billions of years to bring about who we are, this garden people, to dwell with him. And even if you're a young earth creationist, um, God takes a long time. And he also he also is a legacy, long game worker, mm-hmm. meaning what we're doing now and praying now, God may bring about the effect of these persistent prayers and this persistent pure faith through our great grandchildren. And while at times I find that extremely frustrating, um, terribly frustrating, to be honest, I also let it invigorate deep prayer for my great, great grandchildren. I, I let it invigorate real and deep prayer for others. You know, when we talk about God not answering prayers right away, if you think about it, if he literally answered every prayer the moment we asked him, that would really make him be more like a genie in a bottle to us. Which might be kind of awesome if he was my (laughs) genie in the bottle. (laughs) I mean, I think that'd be fun initially. There would be, haven't you watched Aladdin? It never ends up going right. But just... We need to view God in light of this holy timeline that he has. Holy, this right, perfect timeline. Um, You know, waiting in the persistence can purify our worldly desires and it can reshape the kingdom desires that we have. (laughs) You know, God really can, even in our persistence, the very thing we may be asking him for in the waiting, in the feeling that maybe we're hitting a brick wall, he actually is shaping that, that prayer, that request that we're asking. He's, he's changing our desires and making them his desires. Have you guys ever had that just insane craving? Like, I've got to have it right now. For me, it's usually one minute after we finish our dinner. I was raised in a home where my mom would make chocolate brownies or have a Hershey chocolate bar every night after dinner. And so, like, chocolate, oh, man. As soon as I'm done with my dinner, the craving, the craving for chocolate is so horrific. But I have learned over the years now, trying to practice self-control, that if I'll wait, if I'll just wait, 
I know I don't want that piece of chocolate. If I can wait an extra 15 minutes, drink some more water, um, enjoy conversation and not fixate on the chocolate, my desire for the chocolate is purified, or at least it's lessened. And in a lot of ways, while we're waiting on God, he's, he is he is reshaping our desire for what will bring the greatest flourishing and the highest flourishing. And then finally, at the end of the day, you guys, this thing of persistence, it is all about the production of intimacy and union with God. The whole thesis of the New Testament is that we are now participants in the Godhead by the Holy Spirit indwelling us that we are one with God, and it is through persistence that we live into a greater and fuller experience of that union with God and that love for God. A second reminder with persistence is that we have to trust in the hidden work of God, those unseen ways that he's working that we we can't see, we can't um, know what he's doing, but he's working in this hidden way. One time um, I saw um, on Instagram this woman that I follow, she always has this incredible way of taking scripture and just rewording it in a short sentence that just hits home. And one of her little quotes that she said was, God works the night shift. And she took that from Psalm 121, where it talks about how God neither slumbers nor sleeps And I found such comfort in that. It's like literally I can go to sleep and trust that while I'm sleeping, God is still working. He's working the night shift. You know, John Piper says that God is always doing a billion, billion things in every nanosecond that we could never even comprehend. And I love that because God is so much bigger than we can even comprehend. And the way he moves and works is great and huge and beyond our comprehension. But we want to just like put him in this little tiny, this little tiny box and say, this is how you work. This is how you move. This is the timeline. And we need to recognize that he's working in ways that are hidden, that we can't see in every nanosecond. Yeah. So these are the conversations happening in the Braga home right now. Uh, This is what we're talking about on our walks, this idea of persistence. And we're hoping, we've prayed for you prior to recording this podcast, that this note, this little um, conversation of encouragement to you would bolster you. It may be that you need to take out your earbuds after this, go in the garage and persist in crying out like a little baby. Go and cry until you're so physically exhausted that all you can do is lay there on the floor. Because once you've emptied yourself, then you can learn the paradox of persisting and waiting and watching and resting from a, from a place of surrender. And then something will instigate another moment of heartbreak hill, more pain that will cause more crying out and more, more persistence in active prayer that exhausts you and leaves you just waiting and resting and watching and hoping from that posture of pure faith. And friends, let's not lose heart. Our God is coming back again. And one day, there isn't going to be any more tears or suffering or sorrow. Our prayers will be answered and completed in Jesus. And we have this hope. We literally have this hope of all being made right and new and being in the presence of our King, worshiping him in adoration, 
being with our brothers and sisters in perfect harmony together as one, as his children, worshiping him. That's our hope. Shalom, friends. Shalom.